was still dark and saw the stone removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and told them, They have taken the Lord from the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciple went out and came to the tomb. They both ran, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and arrived at the tomb first. He bent down and saw the burial cloths there, but did not go in. When Simon and Peter arrived after him, he went into the tomb and saw the burial cloths there and the cloth that had covered his head, not with the burial cloths, but rolled up in a separate place. Then the other disciple also went in, the one who had arrived at the tomb first, and he saw and believed. For they did not yet understand the scripture, that he had to rise from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Please be seated. Good morning and happy Easter. It's a great joy to be with you all. and. Uh, always excites me when we're using the front pew. I think it's a record since I've been here. We haven't used the front pew. Jesus says the last will be first, so. And if there's any late arrivals, the mass is streaming in the hall. Um, so I want to start by reading the bishop's letter uh, to all of you. To the clergy, religious, and lay faithful of the Diocese of Lincoln, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. This ancient Easter greeting of Christianity echoes the cry of the angels to Mary Magdalene and the other Mary when these two faithful disciples, not without some trepidation, came to the tomb that Sunday morning after the crucifixion, intending to anoint the body of Jesus. The angel told the women, he is not here, for he has been raised just as he said. Is there not a more joyful cry known to all of creation? He is not here, for he has been raised just as he said. For Christianity, there is no truth more central to our faith than that of the resurrection. He is not alive. He is not dead. He is alive. St. Paul boldly states in his letter to the Corinthians that if Christ has not been raised, our faith is in vain. We are still in our sins, and we are the most pitiable people of all. Our faith is contingent upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ, as it is the validation of everything he ever taught us. With his resurrection, he demonstrates his mastery over both life and death foreshadows our own future resurrection as we follow him in all things and encourages us to be faithful to our own crosses with the hope of our own future glory with him. Most profoundly, it proves to us that nothing, not even death, 
can keep him and his love from us. Christ is risen. Alleluia. Sincerely yours in Christ, James D. Conley, Bishop of Lincoln. And I just echo the bishop's words of uh, a very happy Easter to you all. And, and it's been a just great triduum these last three days. And, and I've done, I've been responsible for the triduum before in other parishes, but, um, but I have to say that being a pastor for the first time during the triduum has just been very moving for me in, in my own heart. And, and my favorite part of the Easter celebration is, is the Easter vigil when we start and the church is completely dark and we bless the fire outside and then light the Easter candle. And as the candle comes into the church, it's a symbol of Christ coming into the darkness of the world. And then we begin to light everybody else's candle from the Easter candle and eventually the entire church is lit up just by these small candles. And all of that is, is a symbol of what's meant to happen in each of our hearts. That's what's supposed to happen within us is that all of us experience to some degree or another darkness or emptiness or confusion in our hearts. And Christ is the one that enters in to that darkness or to that emptiness, or to that loneliness, to that confusion, in order to bring light, in order to fill that space. And the light that he brings is his love. The light that he brings is his love. And when we talk about grace, really what we're talking about is the love of God as it enters into our lives, as we come to experience it, in a real and profound way. And it's that love that moves us to carry that light out into the world. In today's gospel reading, it's really one of my favorite gospel readings because it it provides this opportunity to reflect on the difference between Peter and John. And, and, uh, And I always love reflecting on Peter and John because Peter is my confirmation saint and John would be my baptismal name. And, uh, and, I, and I find myself kind of being both of them at different times in my life. And so Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb early in the morning and she finds that the tomb is empty. And kind of alarmed by this, she goes back and she tells Peter because Peter's in charge, right? Peter is the rock on whom I will build my church. So she goes to Peter and tells him, and then Peter and John take off running towards the tomb, and John outruns Peter. John outruns Peter. If we ask ourselves the question, why does John outrun Peter? We might say, well, John's like 16 and Peter's like 35. (laughs) It's a pretty pragmatic explanation. Hansers von Balthasar is a theologian and. He says that John outruns Peter because love outruns office. Because love outruns office. Because the disciple whom Jesus loved is moved by love. And and it's the love of God that moves him faster than Peter. 
Because John is the one who at the Last Supper was just reclining on the Lord's chest, listening to our Lord's heartbeat, the one that's closest to his heart. And actually, when Peter wants to know something, he asks John. On Thursday, we had that reading. Peter's like, John, who does he mean will betray him? Peter is the one who sort of proclaims boldly on Friday, I will never abandon you. And then Jesus says, before the cock crows three times, you'll deny me three times. John is the one who's faithful and is the only one that's by our Lord's side through the carrying of the cross, through his crucifixion. And so love outruns office. But then when he gets to the tomb, he looks in the, to the tomb and he sees that it's empty, that everything Mary Magdalene said was true. And then he waits for Peter to arrive. And he lets Peter go in first because he recognizes the authority of Peter's office. And it gives us this balance between love and office. And, and that translates into our own life and kind of the balance between being moved by love or moved by discipline. You know, like some people are like really good Catholics because you know they're very disciplined and, and they do everything they're supposed to do and we say our prayers and we go to Mass on every Sunday because the church says we have to. Like, going to Mass on Easter, because I have to. That's, like, beautiful, right? Like, we're trying to spread the faith. Or we can be moved by love. Right? And to be moved by love means that there's this person who entered into my life, and he filled the darkness in my heart, and it changed everything. And because of that... I can't help but to do the things that I do. I can't help but to get up early in the morning and and the first thing I want to do is pray. But the last thing I do before I go to bed at night is is I want to reflect and thank God for, for what he's done in my life. Because he's transformed my heart. And, and that's really what we, we celebrate today when we celebrate our Lord's resurrection is the fact that we're all called to live resurrected life. We're all called to live a transformed life. To live a transformed life. And we go through seasons in our life. Like we can go through seasons where it feels like we're still in the darkness. And I've said many times, I had probably a five-year period in my priesthood where I just felt like I was living in the darkness. And the only reason I prayed was because of office. It was because of duty and, and, and wasn't really moved by much until our Lord broke through my stubbornness and began to show me that everything that he taught is true and that he's enough for me and that he's enough for me. And I think that's what we all, that's like the battle of our hearts in the spiritual life is learning that the Lord is enough for me, that the Lord is enough for us, that we don't need anything else. He's the only thing that matters. That's what we all promised on the day of our baptism. The day of our baptism was the day. It was the first time that that light entered into the darkness of our hearts and God's grace entered into our life and 
and his love came to dwell among us, within us. And with baptism comes those promises, and the baptismal promises are another way of saying, the Lord is enough for me, because I don't need other things. And today we're going to renew those promises that we made in our baptism, because like, every Easter is a time of renewal. Every, every Easter is a time of starting over again with the Lord. And I just invite you today to be really intentional about that when we renew them. And I'm going to ask you this question, do you renounce Satan? And, and really what that question asks is, do you renounce sin? Are you done with sin? Are you, are you ready to say like, okay, I don't want that anymore? Whether, whatever your thing is, whether it's laziness or it's gluttony or it's lust or it's gossip, whatever it is, like, I'm done with that because I want the Lord to be enough for me. I don't need those things anymore. To renounce all his works, and, and to renounce his works means I don't want the sins of others to affect me anymore because sometimes we've been affected by the sins of others. Sometimes we felt like betrayal from a family member or a friend, or maybe somebody has done something else to hurt us, or we felt abandoned or cast aside or misunderstood. And we can carry around unforgiveness. We can carry around resentments. But I don't want those to affect me anymore. And so I renounce all of those things. I'm done with those things. I don't want to worship at the altar of my resentment anymore. Do you renounce all his empty show or all his empty promises? And, and that really means renouncing the lies that we carry around. And, and lies are things like, Nobody loves me. Nobody understands me. God isn't here for me. I have to get through life on my own. It's better to get through my life on my own than to rely on community. Do we renounce all those lies that that have filled our hearts? Because sometimes those become the things that we entrust ourselves to instead of the Lord. And as we say no to all of those things and we're really intentional about it, then we're ready to say yes to something better. Do you believe in God, the Father Almighty? I do. Do you believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord? I do. Do you believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church? I do. Which really means I entrust my heart. I'm going to place my heart in the Lord's hands and I'm going to live my life from this point forward as if he's enough for me. And when I feel like maybe, uh, maybe he's not, maybe my life is really hard, just I'm going to ask him to show me that he's enough for me. And that's a prayer that we can pray. Like whenever we're stuck, like Jesus, I need you to show me that you're enough for me, that you're really going to take care of me. If I place my heart in your hands, are you really going to take care of it? So that... In that process, as we grow closer to him, we become more like John, the beloved disciple. And our love moves us in everything that we do. And we become that light that, that not only sort of lights up this building on, East, on Easter Vigil, but that light that lights up our workplaces and our family gatherings and our friendships and our community and our town and 
the people we run into at Casey's, like we just sort of light up all those places. If we all lived our life in that way, it would change everything. But that starts with letting our Lord change everything in here. And truly believing that he is the son of God. He did rise from the dead. And that means that if I have died with him, I'm also going to rise with him. And that I can start to experience that here and now in this place in this time. And so, dear brothers and sisters, let us pray that. That as we recommit ourselves to our Lord today. And we remember those promises and reaffirm those promises of our baptism that the light of Christ, that the love of Christ may truly reign in our hearts. And that we do in fact become a light that shines in the darkness of our culture and the world around us.